Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Today, as we resume our study of Paul's short letter to Philemon, we're going to be digging into a theme that covers really the entire letter, uh, but it's going to be especially important for the verses that we're going to look at. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at the theme of how it is that Paul goes about doing discipleship. Now, just as we start, begin with the definition here, discipleship is really the process whereby one believer helps another believer to become a better disciple or a better follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, this is how we go about helping one another to grow spiritually. And so, although the point of Philemon isn't necessarily to say, hey, here's how you go about doing discipleship, I think it's helpful as we look at this letter just to make some observations about the way it is that Paul interacts with Philemon. And I think as we do this, what we're going to come to find is that Paul is being very intentional in the way he interacts with Philemon because his goal in all of this is more than just Onesimus doesn't get in trouble for running away from his master. If that was his only goal, he could have just said, hey, Philemon, uh, don't let Onesimus be in trouble for running away. Instead, what Paul is doing is he's trying to help Philemon grow through this process. Uh, He's concerned with more than just Uh, the final outcome. He's concerned that Philemon become a better follower of Jesus Christ as a result of all of this. And so I thought it'd be helpful to take uh, at least one podcast and just look at the ways that Paul goes about interacting with Philemon uh, with that discipleship mindset uh, behind all of it. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, a good portion of the letter of Philemon. I'm going to begin picking up at verse 8, and I'm going to read all the way down through verse 17. Verse 8, we read, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, and we talked about that last time we said that has the idea of, although I might have boldness to command you to do what is proper, what you ought to do. He says in verse 9, Yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to the unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have uh, retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel, but without thy mind, without your consent, would I do nothing that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, because, in other words, because you are required to do it, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever, now, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Now it has been pointed out that this is uh, some excellent persuasion that's being carried out by the Apostle Paul. He's trying to work with Philemon. He's trying to help him come to the right conclusion without forcing him to come to that conclusion himself. And so let's take just a moment and look at some of the ways that Paul is trying to help Philemon grow in this very difficult area. First, I want us to note from Paul's relationship with Philemon, with Onesimus, and really with all of the churches that he worked with, how deeply invested Paul was personally in the people that he discipled. As we read this, we can tell that Paul is deeply and relationally invested in Philemon. We didn't read them before, but let me just go ahead and read verse 7. He says, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, 
because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Uh, He goes on and he says in verse 21, Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Uh, Verse 4, he says, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Paul says, I'm praying for you. I'm thankful for you. I'm confident in you. Uh, Paul has a very close relationship with Philemon, but it's not just Philemon. Paul has a very close relationship with Onesimus. In fact, um, as, as we read through this, Paul uses some pretty intense language here. He says in verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. In other words, whom I have, Paul kind of uses the term here, whom I have fathered while I was in jail. In other words, Onesimus came to me and he's now my son in the faith because I was able to lead him to the Lord. He says in verse 12, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. What does he mean by that? Well, we we talked about that word bowels before and just kind of mentioned that maybe the English word heart would work there. Uh, that seems to be the idea of what they're trying to communicate, and that makes more sense in, in our modern idiom, how we use the language. And so if we replace bowels with heart, he's, he's talking about Onesimus. He's saying, Onesimus is my own, mine own heart. Paul says, Philemon, I want you to know I sent Onesimus to you, and that was not easy because I really, really, really love Onesimus. Paul, you will find as you read throughout uh, your New Testament, was deeply involved in the lives of the people that he ministered to. Let me read to you just a few verses from 1 Thessalonians where we see this as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Paul really wanted to know how things were going in Thessalonica, wasn't able to go, so finally uh, he sends Timothy. It says, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you all in our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. Okay, that's, that's pretty intense language. He goes on and he says, for what things can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. We could go to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet, again there, the idea of fitting or proper, even as it is proper for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in all the bowels of Jesus Christ. Paul really, really loved the people that he ministered with. You know, there's nothing wrong with books or programs. There's nothing wrong with uh, setting up uh, meeting times where uh, we meet for discipleship and, you know, maybe have someone who's older and more experienced in the faith trying to help and 
someone who's uh, a little bit younger and a little bit less experienced, or you have uh, two believers meeting together for a Bible study, I'm all for that. I think all of that's good. But as we read through uh, Paul, what we come to realize is that there, there's also just almost an intangible where Paul really, really loved and cared about and was invested in the people that he was discipling. This was not just a program that Paul had put together, 12 weeks, and okay, you get through those 12 weeks, and there you go. Now you know what you need to know about Christianity. All right, I'm on to the next church. Make sure you guys don't mess it up while I'm gone. No, uh, Paul really, really cared about the people. He got emotionally attached to the people that he discipled. And as I look at that, just being transparent as a pastor, that's a a convicting uh, paradigm for me to follow, that in my ministry, I need to be personally invested in the lives of others, not just investing, but invested that their success and their failure would matter to me, that their success would would excite me and overjoy me, that their failure would would be crushing. Um, This is the heart of Paul, and this ought to be our heart as well. Whether you're in pastoral ministry or whether you're simply a committed Christian who wants to follow God to say, you know what, Lord, I pray that you would give me a love for people. And I pray that as I seek to help younger believers and Christians come along in their faith, that I would have the kind of attachment to them that Paul has that just oozes out, whether it be Philemon or Onesimus or the believers in Thessalonica or the believers in Philippi, that I would have that kind of a love for people. And so we see, as we look at Paul's discipleship, first of all, that that Paul was relationally invested in the people he discipled. But I want us also to see that Paul's discipleship is concerned with spiritual transformation more than just with mere external conformity. And we already kind of touched on this, but you know, as Paul writes this letter, he is trying very, very, very hard to bring Philemon to the point where he's ready to accept Onesimus back. And Paul does everything he can except just tell Onesimus, or I'm sorry, tell Philemon to do it. Now, Paul could just tell Philemon to do it. Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, Philemon is a disciple of Paul. Probably, again, and we talked about this previously, probably led to the Lord by Paul. Paul has every right to simply demand and say, all right, Philemon, Onesimus is coming back. He's a believer now. You need to accept him. I'm telling you, my name is Paul. Do it. And yet, Paul doesn't do that. He, he, he comes close to it, honestly, but, but he refuses to cross that line and require it and demand it. Why? Because Paul is concerned not just that Philemon do the right thing, but that Philemon do it for the right reason. You see, he doesn't want to take away the opportunity for Philemon to grow spiritually. You know, I think this is a helpful uh, pattern and paradigm for us, that as we work with people, we want them to come around to the right conclusions. We want to hold them to the, to the standards that God's Word holds them to, but we want to make sure that, that they're growing and that they personally are accepting this and that they are growing in the Lord in that way. And so Paul's discipleship, it's, it's not just about external conformity, it's about internal spiritual transformation. And this is a tough balance to, to strike because typically we live in a culture that likes to go one way or the other. Either we give somebody a long list of rules and say, Here, you know, I've, I've already thought through all these issues, this is how you ought to live, here it is. Or we go to the opposite extreme of saying, you know, you really, you be, be patient with people and if they continue to wallow around in sin for 10 or 15 years, you know what, God's grace is sufficient and he's working with them. And what we want to do is we want to try and find 
that balance that Paul finds, which says we want our discipleship to be focused on God and we want people to be obeying from a heart of love and gratitude for him and not simply because we tell them to, but we also want to hold them up to a standard. And we want to say, look, this is what God's word says. This is what God expects of you. This is not what I expect of you. This is what God expects of you. And I think as we read through the letter of Philemon, we, we find a good balance that Paul has struck here. He uses, again, he, he pulls out every stop as he tries to convince Philemon what he ought to do. He reminds Philemon that he could just command him, but that he's not going to. He tells Philemon that if uh, whatever Onesimus has stolen, Paul will uh, personally replace and take care of. He reminds him of the relationship and how much it is that Philemon owes Paul. Uh, he concludes the letter by telling him, I'm, I'm confident that you'll do what I ask. And he even addresses the letter to the entire church. So this is not a private correspondence, um, but this is a letter that the whole church is going to know. This is what Paul expects of Philemon. So again, Paul is, is very invested in making sure that Philemon comes to the right conclusion, but he refuses to cross the line and simply demand it. He wants there to be a choice on Philemon's part to serve and obey the Lord, not just a begrudging response to serve and obey Paul because that's what Paul has demanded of him. And I think that's, again, a helpful paradigm as we think through our own discipleship, that as people follow us, we want to make sure that that we're holding them to a st- the standard of God's word, but we also want to make sure that they're following ultimately the Lord and not us. And so Paul's discipleship is concerned with spiritual transformation more than just external conformity. Uh, Paul's discipleship is heavily invested on the relational front and then finally, uh, Paul's discipleship grounded itself in the truth of the gospel. As Paul makes this appeal to Philemon, he gives him a lot of reasons why, but the heart of it really comes down in verse 16. Uh, I'll go back up to verse 15. It says, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Philemon is going to be seeing Onesimus for the first time. I wonder what that, I wonder what that would have been like. Um, I wonder what emotions are going to wash over Philemon as he sees his runaway slave who stole from him walking back down the path to his house. Um, he probably got a little bit upset. He probably put Philemon in a box, and the box was the runaway slave box, right? He related to Philemon or probably was expecting to relate to Philemon the way you would expect a wealthy person who had slaves to react to somebody who had run away from him and wronged him and stolen from him. And so you can almost imagine Philemon walking down this path, or Onesimus walking down this path, and Philemon probably getting a little bit upset and beginning to think through his mind, okay, you know, (laughs) don't get crazy. There's going to be consequences. We'll work through what they are. Don't fly off the handle. But but probably putting Philemon into that box that says this is a runaway slave, or putting Onesimus into the box that says this is a runaway slave. And then Onesimus hands Philemon this letter. And what Paul is saying to Philemon is, uh, Philemon, because you're a Christian, because you've embraced the gospel, everything looks different now. This person standing in front of you, you, you're tempted to think of him as a runaway slave. But now that you're a Christian and now that you've accepted Christ, you've been brought into a family. And that's the most important thing. And so you need to take Philemon out of the runaway slave box and you need to put him in the brother box, the brother in Christ box. And as you do that, 
your relationship to him and your outlook is going to be totally and completely different. And as we disciple people, it's important that we have a similar attitude, a similar mindset that when people come to us, we begin to relate to one another in terms of who we are in Christ and what God has done for us and not the way we used to relate to one another. This is the way Paul does discipleship. He says, okay, you've believed the gospel. You've trusted in Christ. Now here's what that looks like played out in everyday life. Here's how your new commitment to God and your new confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's what that looks like played out. It means that this runaway slave is a brother. And now you need to begin relating to him as a brother. Paul is helping Philemon think through the implications of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And as we disciple other people, and as other people disciple us, what we're all trying to do is help one another to realize what it means and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. We've So much has happened to us that's totally changed or ought to have changed the way we look at the world. How does that actually play out in our everyday lives? And so this is Paul's pattern of discipleship. We've seen at least three uh, important paradigms from the letter of Philemon. I'm sure if we studied, we could find more. But Paul's discipleship grounded itself in the truth of the gospel. It was more concerned with spiritual transformation than external conformity. And it was heavily invested in the relate in, in relationships with other people. And so as we wrap up this podcast for today, let me just challenge you. Who is it that you are discipling and who is it that you are being discipled by? And would, would Paul's pattern or paradigm of discipleship, would that describe you and your friendships and your relationships? Uh, I must admit, every time I come and, and look at the way Paul did discipleship, I walk away feeling a little bit convicted but also feeling a little bit motivated to say, you know what, this is the way that God expects believers to be working together with one another, helping each other grow, helping each other to look and act and behave more like disciples of Jesus Christ. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.